mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Two little mice fell in a bucket. God damn it, Tom. God damn it, Tom. Off to a hot start. I to hear what he had to say. I've never heard that before. Not in the two and a half years of doing this podcast have we ever heard the second time around what he was going to say. But on that note, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. We have a guest here, somebody who we're semi-familiar with. I don't don't know who that man, I don't know who he is. Yeah, that motherfucker right over there is not real. Um, (laughs) And that is, Gatto is back. Um, He is currently being held in Gumby's small intestine. Um, as you can tell by the background, Gato, uh, why don't you say hi to all of our fans out there and and tell them where you've been for the last six or seven months? I can't talk about it. Classified information. I thought I was supposed to have the anonymous face blur like Q does. Well, Q, are you having a power outage? What's going on there? I'm in the bunker in Austin, Texas, Gato. Okay. I can't. T- I can't say where I'm actually at because, you know, the guy, I might be a the black hats here, coming after it, me. But it looks like it's just your apartment with just the TV on with no lights. I might be off base here. That could be inaccurate, but it looks to me like it's your apartment. Tom, Tom, it's a bunker in Austin, Texas. I'm trying to escape the pedophiles that run our government. Okay. I would imagine that you just have Sound of Freedom just playing on repeat on your Blu-ray. Listen, the the Sound of Freedom is, I'm so deep into it. Sound of Freedom is a psyop. It's actually run by the liberal left. Really? Okay. Interesting. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Did you, did you hear the, uh, off topic, did you hear that the guy, like the executive producer was charged with kidnapping, by the way? Yes. Child kidnapping. (laughs) Child kidnapping. Love that shit. Fantastic. How much do you know about that movie? I so we're gonna get on a tangent about Sound of Freedom. It's great. Um, I, apparently, it's like five years old. Yeah, and it's it sat, like, on, the sat on the shelf for a while. And like Jim Caviezel, anybody who knows Jim Caviezel played Jesus in the uh, uh, the last time. What was the last? What was it called? Passion. Passion. Of Passion of Christ. Christ. Um, Passion. Yeah, I'm thinking of the fucking Scorsese movie. Um, He's a he's a big QAnon guy. He believes in the Androchrome and all that. And like, I just got I get he got financing out of nowhere. And like, everyone there's always been these like videos that conservatives are posting like about like empty theaters and shit. But like, it seems like oh, like like the box office numbers were pretty big. So it seems like people are just buying the tickets for it and then like giving them out for free, pretty much. Yeah. So and just boosting the box office numbers. So funny thing about that is. 
Um, the studio itself was purchasing tickets for people and then just sending them randomly to people. Be like, hey, you should go see The Sound of Freedom. Like UFC's Dana White said, like, I bought tickets for everybody in our headquarters office and we're all yeah. going to go see it. Like, how do you feel if, like, you're the the one person in there who's like, um, I, I don't want to go to this? And, and so it doesn't matter, yeah. like... It doesn't matter like people going to the theater. It's just like this is a Mormon like faith based company that bought the production rights to the movie and got it released. And they have a shit ton of money behind it to be able to get away with a lot of this stuff. I also find it really funny, too, that there's like this is a couple weeks ago at this point, but during its like exciting time, everybody was on TikTok saying like, oh, well, Lowe's Theaters is trying to like prevent us from seeing this movie. Yeah. It's either too hot or too cold. The air conditioning's or off the or it's too cold. Like, yeah. Have you all been to the movie theater in the last like, I don't know, nine, 10 years? Because yeah, it's, it's kind of like a 50-50 crapshoot whenever you go in there. It's you know normally just a shit show. But this is, this is the interesting thing about that movie though, is that it is resonating with it is like somewhat resonating in like kind of just normie people like Odell Beckham tweeted about it like like a week ago he was like sound of freedom that's that was that was like he was saying how good it was like it is it is I think there is I, I don't think enough people know like it's like pretty basically just a QAnon movie and like actually think that it's like trying to like send a message about like child trafficking well the but, other like, thing about the movie too is like Operation Underground Railroad, the company that Tim Ballard, the yeah, who the movie's about, had actually put out like a statement that says like Tim Ballard has never actually killed anybody, <laughs> even though in the movie it shows him killing somebody. And to the <laughs> point where there's all of this like weird like energy around this movie and people are so excited for it, but it's like this movie's actually like not good. Like, they're, yeah. like, Taken is a better fucking trafficking movie than this. And Jim Caviezel apparently is, like, the dumbest fucking person alive. And that's why his, like, lines are so short. Because he can't remember what he's going to say, like, five words past of, uh. So. Yeah, Jim Caviezel is, like, Robert De Niro of QAnon, pretty much. That, like, he is he is their guy. So like they're they don't they don't really care as long as he's in it. It's like it's just it's it's more like it's more about the face value more than it's at yeah any real critical acting skills. Do you think we're gonna get like a Sound of Freedom franchise? The extended universe? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be a blonde woman in a pantsuit who is the villain in the next one. Like of course. It will be a Hillary Clinton like stand in pretty much. Yeah. You will get shot in the head multiple times. And so they can fulfill like their almost like Quentin Tarantino and Glorious Bastards thing, like revisionist history type thing. Like they're 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 gonna make it like really like I can see that coming soon. They're gonna make it really explicit. I'm actually really disappointed that they don't have like a spoiler or like a teaser at the end of the credits where it's like Jim Caviezel's character walks in and all the lizard people are eating a baby. Um, I guess that didn't make it to the cutting room floor. That might be in like the extended cut that comes out on like VHS. But Samuel L. Jackson I, shows up and he's like, have you heard of Androchrome? I, I need you to uh, join the Avengers. 
I heard the creators <laughs> of Aliens actually just bought those scenes for their like prequel to the prequel, and that's <laughs> that part of it. It's a Prometheus Sound of Freedom crossover. Yes. What? It's the same would, universe. Would watch, would watch, by the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the movie will be pissed, but I'm sure. It'll would be would you? Would you actually watch Sound of Freedom? I wouldn't pay for it. No. Yeah, it's the same thing. I wouldn't. I, I'm not gonna pay for it, but I think it could be like a community watch party that we have, where totally like he's all that. We watch yeah. it together and just tool on it the whole time. Yeah, I don't want to get into that type of. I don't know anywhere where where we're talking about or like even this i don't like the fact that we're promoting this when somebody that was directly involved with the production is a known child molester or abductor well or whatever uh, the fuck they so are. so yeah alleged ch- child kidnapper it seems oh right, uh just just yeah, gotta get your get yeah, your I don't, felonies I, straight <laughs> get your felonies yeah. straight and we're gonna, we're gonna where, where do they all rank let's, let's put those hilarious. all in ranking of most piece of shit to still most piece of shit like, but it's it, it is crazy that like how much they they're because like it's very much a known thing like when like I think it was uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s book came out like it was a bestseller number one and it's like it's clear that like all these groups these conservatives groups just buy it up right they just oh, buy yeah. it they put it in a warehouse somewhere um so like this it's made 174 million at the box office so far which is a Ooh, lot of money. That's somebody's election campaign. Right. So yeah, somebody like there is definitely like those numbers I I would like to see how much of those were legitimate sales. How much of it does how much do you think of it goes to uh Flynn for his <laughs> future General yeah. Flynn. <laughs> God. He, they just had a It's, it's like his a, crowd. It's his crowd funded like that. They just had this weird thing where it was him and like uh, the My Pillow guy. They were doing this like election. Steve Bannon There's, was there too. Yeah, Steve Bannon was there. They're still talking about the election. Like mm-hmm. it's they're, fucking 2023. They're like the modern age Rat Pack that doesn't have any skills, can't sing, and doesn't get paid. <laughs> they're just not charming. <laughs> it's just a bunch of like old dudes who don't know how to use their iPhones. Just continuously yeah. calling the only each thing, other from their house phones. The only thing that they have in common with the original Rat Pack is they still call women broads. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, look at this dame over here. Now, now imagine if the Rat Pack didn't drink and sing and, and act, and they just complained about the election and talked about drag queens the entire time. That's yeah. that's basically the same. That's the yeah, way. I can see why Robert De Niro drank or uh fucking don't remember uh never mind, keep it moving. Yep. Cause I don't know what I forgot my rat pack character and I've said Robert De Niro instead. You of... bastard, you talk about the fucking Dean Martin like that. Dean Martin, thank God. Frank Somebody's... Sinatra. Sammy anyway. Davis Jr. My yeah. point was that Dean Martin, if he was in that group, it made sense that he just drank himself to death. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. That sounds like a Dean Martin thing. Yeah, but uh, were invented until like the 1980s. So that it's all fake science at this point. Yeah. Fake um, fucking news. See, back in the day, your appendix was your liver. And now we don't need that no more. It's a vestigial organ and and the the liver came in in the 80s because something also had to be able to handle all the cocaine that our parents were doing yeah naturally yeah that's biology it's science it's facts 
Well, speaking of biology and facts, let's move on to week Terribly one scary of, the, and, <laughs> of the NFL preseason. Um, Giants have played the Lions. Washington Commanders have played the Browns. Um, did the Giants have a joint practice with another team? Yes. Yeah, okay. it, it's pretty typical that um, I don't know if you like to off topic for a second. Have you guys seen what what's going on with the, this weird thing going on with the Jets and the Bucks? They were supposed to have these practices and the Jets just pulled out last second, like and no one knows why. Giants actually lent their uh, facility to the Bucks today because they were pretty much stranded without a field. That's weird. Yeah, it was, it was weird. I'm waiting to see what that turns into. But I'm, I mean, my guess is. Either two things, right? You're not prepared for your second week of practices and yeah. you want don't want to show face. Mm -hmm. Or you see how pissed the fucking bucks are and you know you're not gonna get any value out of practicing with them. Yeah. Well, uh I, I kinda pay, paid close attention to the Giants practices because this is the first time that like cause you know, you're you're practicing against the same guys every day, pretty much. So I, I did. So this is going to tie into fantasy draft. I'm on Ross a Brown mm -hmm. draft him like early because this is going to be the year where he really pops because he was like, he was abusing every giants corner in the practices. Like even like banks and Hawkins who've been like really, really good. Um, obviously the giants didn't play any of their starters. I didn't expect them to probably will this week. Um, but like I'm on Ross a Brown's going to have a really big year. So I like, if you're at the tail end of round one, honestly, I would consider it. If you're like, kind of yeah. like in the, you know, the nine to 12 range or nine to 10, depending on how big the league is. Um, but overall, I think, I think the giants, um, Backups look good. Gatto, I think you can kind of, you can, we were watching the game together and I think we saw a lot just, Jason Pinnock kid that we got from the Jets um, off waivers. He's going to be a starter. He he got did he, he made like what four plays? He he had like an interception, a tackle for loss, like a pass deflection. And it was all in like five plays. It was it was nice seeing like um yeah, there there was that. That was really nice to see. Um the other really nice thing to see was Trey Hawkins and uh, he's he's, he's something special. First name, Deont Deontay Banks. <laughs> Deontay Banks. Yeah, um, it was really the nice seeing them see the basically wherever the action was on the field, they were there, right? So I mean, they're flying to to make play yeah. to get there, make plays. The one thing was the one the one caveat I say is watching the rest of that game. This is a very young squad at this point mm -hmm. and um yeah. they don't have that like pro reaction completely built yet and and yeah. granted this it's is not as intuitive for them yet right? i, I think yeah. also you you lead Man, to an interesting you lead to an interesting point gato because the depth the depth on this team has been the question mark is that i don't know what it's going to look like if a couple guys get injured now thankfully we have not seen the new revamped unit because obviously they have Leonard Williams back this year. Dexter Lawrence got his big deal. They spent money on Rakeem Noshes from Tampa Bay, big run stuffer. And then they got Ashawn Robinson, who arguably one of the better run defenders in the league. Uh, so they, the defensive line then getting Bobby O'Karake and middle linebacker 
there's a there's a belief at least with if Aziz Ojolari can stay healthy, if Kayvon Thibodeau takes that next step, the front seven could be nasty. It can also be bad if they don't take that next step. Yeah. Um, but really interesting watching Deontay Banks. I watched like uh, there's a, sh- a podcast called Talking Giants. They uh, the guy on the show Bobby Skinner. He'll isolate a lot of the plays like so you can kind of watch like a 30 second video of all the reps and i watched banks uh and hawkins and really really good in coverage now granted they're not going against Amon rice and brown this game but they for young corners man they they look like players and like gotta i think you can agree with me here how often does the do the giants get like lucky with a late round pick very rare Name one. Well, Victor Cruz. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean, I can well, name a couple. Un, he was an undrafted. He was guy. undrafted. Uh, I'm on that side of the ball, though. On that. Yeah, side exactly. Of the ball. Yeah, yeah. A, a premium position, right? Because you think about the most premium ones are quarterback, left tackle, corner. Like you rarely hit on those guys in the sixth round. So to get a guy like Trey Hawkins, who's six three, two hundred pounds, and ran a four three nine, I believe, like just a huge corner. Um, from Old Dominion, like a tiny little school, and he ends up looking like a guy who could probably start this year. Mm-hmm. He'll um, get reps. Yeah. Get so reps it's it's sure. if, if we hit on that and if Banks hits, we get our two starting corners and one draft, uh, one being a sixth round pick. It's it's a home run. I mean, and that's kind of the uh, interesting thing. Like, um, you know, I don't know where would you rank the NFC East in terms of uh, receiver talent. Big, oh. would it would it be high? I, Very I, high. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think who are the top five receivers in the NFL East. Uh, uh, the NFC Lamb, East, Devontae Smith, um, AJ Brown, and then Terry, Scary Terry, Terry, um, Terry, Terry, yeah, Scary Terry, and then I would say CD Lamb's in there. Well, so, so I would say CD Lamb's probably the best out of those. Oh no, AJ Brown's besides, the best out of that bunch. Yeah, besides besides them. I, I feel like the Giants will have do a great job with coverage. I mean, well, that's they're... the scary part is that you know they're going to get tested early because Dallas is Week One. So, yeah. and then mind you, remember they got Brandon Cooks this off season. So that's they true. have that's true. Now yeah. they have C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and um, and uh, Brandon Cooks, and the Jalen Tolbert kid that they drafted high last year who didn't really play but has been kind of making some plays in training camp. Um, Giants got their work cut out for them. So I, I do see. And then there is like Curtis Samuel, who is someone who could be very sneaky. If he's, he's healthy, all, really, all and really year. And the Giants. R- remind me that yeah. <laughs> he's going to be the guy that burns the Giants. I'm calling it now. R- remind me, um, <laughs> Tom, the rookie out of Penn State last year. You guys drafted. Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson. He yeah. looked very good. Touchdown. Yeah. He was a touchdown maker, like randomly, mm-hmm. just like every game he would, he seemed like he was grabbing a touchdown. Yep. So, yeah. There's a lot of really good talent. And I think, I think this is like Terry McLaurin, whatever his ADP is, I'm probably higher on him this year. I mean, the other thing about Terry, too, is he's been successful with not good quarterbacks who have either been, like, completely shells of themselves or have just not been capable of dealing with a number one wide receiver. Um, Before we get to the commanders, I did have a question for both of you, and you could could answer this together or separate depending on how you want to do it. Go for it. Who is your surprise of camp for the Giants? Mm -hmm. Who is where they you you expected them to be? 
and who's kind of fallen out of favor right now? So as far as someone who's impressed me, I, I, you know, I feel like going with Trey Hawkins is kind Mm -hmm. of like redundant at this point. So I'll go with somebody else. And uh, Jason Pinnock, I've mentioned a billion times too. So I won't go with those guys. Uh, I'm going to go with a deep diver here. I'm going with Michael McFadden. He was a, he's a second year kid, a linebacker out of, I believe, Indiana. He was like a fifth round pick last year. He's got the, like the measurables, like his, like his speed, his, all those things like checked out. He looked like he was a little slow, and I think it was probably because last year because he didn't really seem confident. The linebacker position has been something that's been like driving me crazy from as a Giants fan for the last I don't know fifteen years. Um, getting Bobby Okereke and then having Micah McFadden, um, who and Joe Shane, I think I think Brian Dable who mentioned him specifically in the interview that he gave to WFN, like literally name dropped him out of nowhere as a guy who's been really improving. I think he's going to end up getting that second in the three, four scheme, that second linebacker spot. And I th- I expect big things out of him. He's been like having a very quiet, good camp. Um, what was the second one, Tom? It was somebody who was exceeded. Who, who's performing as, as expected. And then mm-hmm. who is kind of falling off or who's concerning for you. Um, I don't really, as far as like being steady, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. There's really two people that I'm more kind of concerned about. Um, because everyone's kind of been where I think they're going to be, but the two guys I'm actually concerned about are the first round picks from last year, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. Hmm. <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau. With, I agree with you, Q, on yeah. Evan Neal, actually. That was, that was my answer to that one. Yeah. So Kayvon Thibodeau, like Wink Martindale made some comments the other day, which were kind of interesting, basically saying like, very slyly saying like Kayvon Thibodeau needs to pick it up. And like, he like almost maybe like, maybe he's not, given 100 in practice he didn't really like pop other than that commander's game where he just went fucking insane um and the ravens game he had that forced fumble sack um but like there was you know there was times where he would like kind of disappear so i think we wanted to see him walk in and be a monster and then all of a sudden like he just he just looks like he's kind of okay but I'm, I'm not going to judge him too harshly because i want to see how his second season goes yeah um uh, but evan neal's concerning me because there was already he had, a, he had a bad year last year but that's fine he was toying with a new um kick step playing right tackle when he hasn't done that in a bunch of years i give him you know free free year but he worked with willie anderson in the offseason should be a hall of famer tackle his, he looks better his stance looks a lot better but he was kind of dealing with some injuries he got a concussion in practice um he there were some practices where he was they were like he was bad he was he looked mm. bad he was getting abused and then now all of a sudden he was getting his ankle taped yesterday so it's like he just can't seem to get on track so i'm hoping that that's something that when we get to the season he's ready to go but i am worried about that right tackle position because every other position on the offensive line like looks pretty set or at least like we have a general idea Mm-hmm. But that edge rushing position, I mean, again, week one against Dallas, it's going to be an initial big test. So I, I'm just a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was Evan Neal was exactly he's he's my concern, too, because I think that offense comes down to either having that that extra push to open it up for Saquon or it's going to be that half a second Daniel yeah. Jones needs yeah. so that he can feel comfortable 
to make that pass now that he has a upgraded wide receiving core. Um, actually, and and keeping with that though, where I've where I'm impressed is the rookie JMSJ. Fucking John Michael Schmitz, man, coming in and John Jacob Dingelmeiger Schmitz. Yeah, man, he's uh, he looked he looked pretty solid mm-hmm. on in the in the first uh, preseason game, and like he's got great long snapping ability. He's 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 good, man. He's solid. He was got a good what, what have I pick. what have I always said about centers? Give me a center with a wrestling background. Number one, give me. Give oh yeah, me, you've been saying that a lot. If like, <laughs> it, it's real though. Give me a give me a center with a wrestling background. Those guys are the typical ones that end up making it. And I just I don't know what it is about Midwestern offensive linemen. Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Like, give me an offensive. Give me a big burly dude from the Midwest, and like, that's that's the type of guy I want. So Minnesota, he was a wrestler at Minnesota University. Like. He looks like a he looks like a, a real steal. Yeah. Yeah. And so far so good. You know. Starting already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's top of the depth charts there. He was um, he was like third team the first game first day of practice, and then he literally got promoted to starter like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> the um the other person that was shocking was uh watching the preseason game it was Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley. Oh, and and uh my DeVito. anti-vax king. <laughs> and Tommy DeVito. That was actually. The wow. All Tommy right. DeVito. The Italian stallion. Which I, I don't know how, how much longer before he, he takes that second second position. My pie's on, baby. I think he's. By the way, very soon. Former Syracuse quarterback. Yes, in he Tommy was. DeVito too. And he yes, was a he was. punching bag there because they couldn't figure out the offensive line. Went to Illinois. Had a pretty good year with them. Yep. New Jersey kid too loves meatball subs too. Jersey kid, that's right. <laughs> got a got a great pull on that. He looked he looked confident. Yeah, and like how good. often? Like I don't care if it's against third string guys. He's a third string quarterback. Like a lot of times, these guys go out there and they look like shit. And but they're like, the ones playing for the most, right? They're the ones that you know this this I, could make or break them. I'm not going to be shocked when he makes the if he makes the roster if they keep three quarterbacks and they and they keep him on. I'm not going to be shocked. Would? Do you think it they would shock keep three? Him. Wouldn't shock me with Tyrod Taylor's injury history. Wouldn't shock he me. He did not bit. look. He did not look that good. No, but I'm not really worried about that. Like Tyrod Taylor is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. So, like, I, I, if if he never if if he never got hurt in remember in the Chargers, they fucking. I feel so jabbed, bad for him. They jabbed him with a syringe and punctured his lung. Yeah, literally Justin Herbert gets he gets his first start because they they went too far with a syringe and jabbed him in the chest. That's crazy. So like everywhere he's gone, he's been pretty successful and just always freak injuries that get in his way. So um and he got he, he got a concussion last year, right? Like a weird random concussion last year that he was out. Yeah, so. Was that the did he slide in a the Dallas yeah game? someone hit him yeah it was yeah. I think it was a preseason game too so oh, was it yeah I think so he just he just has bad luck man but uh I I don't know I think they want to keep him I I don't know if he like if he plays as well as he did last time I don't know if he's gonna make a practice squad so that's gonna be the hard part is like someone snatch potentially snatching him off so um he's interesting though and plus mm-hmm. he's a fucking paisan we want we want some paisans on our team you need a little hometown <laughs> hero action right yeah Jersey kid Jersey kid does well Jersey Jersey kid does well. 
So Tom, I want to, I want to switch real quick to the Mandos uh, because two things happened. Um, one small thing that I thought was funny. I don't know if you saw um, your rookie corner get molly whopped in that fight that happened. Some, some dude from the Ravens like body slammed him. Oh, oh it was yeah. Mark Andrews. Yeah. That practice, what, right? Was Mark, no, was it Mark Andrews? Pretty sure it was, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, shocking. Pretty sure it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> your your number one, your rookie corner got got body slammed. But uh, that's just more of just uh, me, me poking fun. Uh, Ron Rivera came out and said that he's not ready to name Sam Howell the starter. Sam Howell looked great in the preseason game. What is going on? Can you Can you explain it to me? What's going on? Yeah, I'll try to explain it um, as simply as possible in that Ron Rivera is a fucking moron and should not be trusted with a yo-yo, let alone an NFL team. (laughs) Okay, I say that because he's already done – I think a lot of this started with how he handled the end of last year where he didn't even realize they were out of playoff contention and it took him a while to determine like, let's play Sam Howell. Um, They were already out of the playoffs. um, And was it last year? Was it the year before that uh, he, he had the the fuck up with the clock too? That was the year before. That was the year before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He He likes to tank every season. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) Wasn't what didn't even realize they were out of the playoffs last year. Didn't want to start Sam Howell. Would have preferred to start fucking Carson Wentz. They benched Carson Wentz. Let Howell play. Howell did well. They beat the Cowboys. Um, and then wait last wait until the last game. I don't know. Man. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and then last week, openly airs it to the world that players are coming to him and complaining about the intensity of their practice with. Um, Eric Bieniemy, yeah. and makes this whole thing about like having to listen to players. You know, Jack Del Rio is a seasoned coach. He gets him like, yeah, Jack Del Rio <laughs> believes that like QAnon is real. Like QAnon Jack, his. baby. And the next day, Rivera had to come out and say like, I put my foot in my mouth. I spoke when I shouldn't have. Bieniemy is the one that comes out looking like really, really good in this situation because Rivera got critically panned by all the reporters, all the beat writers. Um, Pat McAfee had a, um, a part of his show talking about that. Like, yo man, this is training camp. Like it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be intense. You're supposed to practice hard. And if there are players coming to you and this team has not been better than 25th on offense since Rivera got there, like, it's a that it's a coaching problem yeah. and they need to perform like the defense is solid, but the offense actually needs to show something. And now fast forward to this whole business about Sam, how Sam, how's going to be the fucking starter? Like he's done way too good. The passes that he was throwing in the preseason game against the Browns were too good to leave that on the sidelines. I think what Rivera is doing is trying to hold it over Howell's head to keep him pushing. Mm. I don't necessarily like that mentality because I think it's fucking stupid, but I think it's just a Rivera thing and I don't get it. I, I don't think he's long for this team, just the way he's handling it. I think he was the darling of the previous franchise owners because the franchise owners were fuck ups and I imagine at the end of this season, 
whether they perform well or not, he's not going to be here anymore. It's it's really easy to look good when the management, the ownership of your team is looking that bad. Yeah, I mean, the record isn't good. The team has not been good. They've drafted well because they've just been high enough in the draft to bring new people in. And I just don't think that – I don't think the way that he's managed this team – First off, he's never been an offensive-minded coach because he's no. a defensive-minded coach. They were never terribly good in Carolina. It was just that Cam Newton was good. So to say, like, Eric Bieniemy has to listen to his players and tone it down a bit, like, Bieniemy has... He's trying to win championships. Right. Bieniemy <laughs> has championships. Also, when Bieniemy was in Minnesota, who was the running back that he coached there? Adrian Peterson, and look oh, how good hey. he was. Despite his off-the-field issues, AP is probably one of the best running backs in the history of the NFL. AD to push people. So that's what he's that's, that's what that's what Bianami said. He's like, I he's like, I expect that guys are gonna be pissed at me. He's like, it's an intense practice. I can I demand a lot. So he's like, Yeah, of course you're gonna have to, but like, you know, at the end of the day, the, the guys who know, they know. Like, it's how it goes like you're going to get yelled at by it's not I'm, but it's like it's the same mindset of like when you're younger and like you're like you know that they're yelling at you because they expect a lot from you it's not because they hate you or anything like that he's just expecting a lot yeah he's trying to make a statement he's trying to turn this offense around he's trying to make them successful because one of the things they've also been really good at is fucking up we talked about this Tom I, I think he's trying to already like scapegoat uh, be enemy so that if like shit goes wrong he can he's going to try and protect himself and mm-hmm. and say oh no he's the problem like everything was fine before he got here you know but clearly i i i think we're going to have inter interim coach eric be enemy pretty early into the season this, this kind of reminds me of like the episode of the office where jim talks to um uh who's the who's the C, uh, CEO, CFO of the company, CEO David, of the company, David, David Wallace. David Wallace. So <laughs> it's when Jim Jim talks to David Wallace about promoting uh, promoting uh, Mike, and <laughs> they end up coming up with the idea of doing like the co the co manager co managers. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it just turns into a fucking total train wreck. <laughs> is is Bianami the assistant head coach? I Did they so, give him yeah. that title? Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it, it's clearly they're insulating themselves. So I don't know. Yeah, it's like Rivera's but I, still the big picture guy. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> sure, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Just don't bother the offense. But I, I, outside of that, I think this team has a lot of potential. There's a couple of guys who like really impressed. A couple of guys who's been a little, mm, little flaky. Um, the guy that's impressed is Arthur Jones Jr. or Andre Jones Jr. Um, it's like a fifth round pick or a seventh round pick out of Louisiana. He's going to fight his way onto the team. Performed really well. Um, what position? Defensive end. They have a lot of them already, but yeah. their, their defensive front is going to be stacked. I was watching a video from J.P. Finley, who's a reporter for 
Um, he covers Washington. Yeah. And he said, ignore all the fights and all the bullshit that happened with the Ravens. Like, watch this defensive front. They they're dominated yeah, Baltimore's nasty. offensive line. Baltimore really was not able to get anything going on any of those joint practices. Yeah. It was really frustrating for them. And I think that's where a lot of the uh, the fights started because Baltimore was pissed they couldn't get something moving. I mean, you got guys like Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Allen, Deron Payne, and now you throw this kid into the mix. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I expect big things from Chase Young because he's they denied his fifth-year option. It's mm-hmm. a contract year for him. And like he's, I think he's finally kind of healthy, like after that knee injury. So the first you know, time he's been healthy since the start of year two. Crazy, which is crazy when you think about it. How long it took to get back from that? Because mm-hmm. like you know, guys tear their ACL all the time, and it seems like they, you know, Nick Bosa tore his ACL last year or the year before, and came back and he was a monster last season. So um, sometimes it just you know takes takes a year or two. So at this point. I, I think he needs to be flirting with double digit sacks, especially with having all those guys on that line. Like some guys, like I feel bad for Aiden Hutchinson because like I don't think there's a ton of huge talent on Detroit's defensive line. Um, so I feel like the fact that he can get you know close to double digit sacks, um, that's pretty amazing. But like he should have one on ones almost every single time. So yeah, it'll be tricky for anybody. Um, the guys that are not performing. It's probably something similar to what you all had with um, the offensive line for the Giants. Yeah. Andrew Wiley has not looked good. Um, and he they signed him to play right tackle from the Chiefs. He has not looked not looking a hundred percent, not looking at full speed. Um, and if you watched the the preseason game for the commanders and the Browns, the offensive line is gonna be um uh, an area of growth throughout the year. Yeah, it's it, it's tough because, you know, offensive line just in general at this point is really – it's because of the way that college is played now and then the limited time that you get in the offseason now, it's like – it's it's, impos- it's it's really hard to scout offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the, the biggest problem is that also is you don't get – any guys hitting free agency. Like if you're, if you are an above average offensive lineman, you're not hitting free agency and you're not going to get traded. Right. So you really do need to hit on them in the draft. Otherwise it's like, you're just kind of not really getting anything. So um, I don't, I don't, I'm not even really familiar with Wiley. So he, like he, like I, I need to look at the uh, commander's offensive line because man, I don't want to say you guys messed up, but Letting go of uh, Trent Williams just just seems like a like I I don't know what happened there. I know there was a lot of medical stuff that uh, that ultimately came out of it, but Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle is pretty good. Uh, Cosme I like uh, he's the right guard, and uh, you obviously have former Giant Nick Gates at center. I will say I don't think Sadiq Charles is there in week two or week three. I think. The, the word out of commander's camp is that Chris Paul is really kind of ascending into mm-hmm. that left guard position and CP3? is playing a little bit bigger than CP3. Um, but yeah, about, I don't know, 145 pounds bigger. Yeah. Um, but all indications is that he is going to play his way into that starting role. Again, seventh round pick from last year. 
going to be a starter in all likelihood? Well, the one thing I said to you after the draft was there was two guys that you guys got that I'm I'm they're on, they're listed on third team on the depth chart right now. But Braden Daniels was a tackle at a Utah. He was a left tackle, and they converted him to guard. And then there's Ricky Stromberg, the center from Arkansas. Two guys that I was like very high on. So as of right now, it may not look good, but I think long term, you do guys you you guys do have some potential there. So. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if one of those guys ends up stealing that job. And, like, I love Nick Gates. Don't get me wrong. Love the guy. Like, the fact that he came back from that horrific injury, which I think it was against the Commanders, um, really impressive. But, like, he's he's an average starter. Like, he's he's not going to – he's he's going to be a steady guy, and he's not going to embarrass himself there. But, like, he's, he's – long term, I don't think he's, like, a – like a pro bowl, you know, yeah. talent. he's, he's uh, a, he's a, he's an average starting guard. I really starter. think they just need more stability than anything else, because which is probably why they went for him. Cause this is a team. Like, if you think about it, like all of these guys are still starters in the NFL. Imagine yeah. if this team still had Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses now plays for Baltimore, by the way. I know all yeah. those dudes got let go. Um, Trent Williams, that was a little bit different because he refused to play with the team and he threatened to sue them because the medical staff had fucked up so bad um, in his evaluation that it was almost like life-threatening. So it's understandable why he's not there anymore. But, I mean, the whole team is kind of trending up. I think the biggest question mark for me is, like, how does Ron handle this team and does he have the ability to be flexible and advocate for his coaches in a way that Eric B has proven that he can, he's a pretty good coach. And I think Sam Howell has proven that he is at least as good, if not better than Jacoby Brissett and Jake Fromm. So let these people do what they're supposed to do. Jake from State Farm. And Brissett didn't look bad, but I mean, that's that is it's the not one that, thing. Not that, much of an upgrade over not much of an upgrade if at all over Sam Howell. So let the young kids. Well, play. all right. So this is what I'm gonna say, Tom. I'm not counting Jacoby Brissett out yet. I know it sounds crazy to think that Sam Howell doesn't start, but I'm not counting Jacoby Brissett out. Like go back last year, he was an above no, average starter at the Browns. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Deshaun Watson stank last year and i like i was like sitting there watching the browns and i'm like on you know like red zone would pop up with them and i'm like they should have just stat- stuck with Brissett. like this guy stinks and like amari cooper was having a big big season with him so like he he's one of those guys that i think like has been not given the respect that he deserves over the last few years of how good he is so um i wouldn't be shocked if Brissett ends up winning the job Again, it's I maybe call it the Knicks fan in me because I I look at the Commanders as kind of like the Knicks of the NFL. That's fair. Like I mean, I, obviously, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, not with the new ownership, but you know what I mean. Like back when previous ownership was there. I'm of two minds of this though, right? Like I can understand why they want Jacoby Brissett to start because in their minds, like. This is a guy who's been in the league for a long time. This is probably somebody who gives us the most likelihood that we're going to be able to win games. But Jacoby Brissett suffers from the same problem that so many other Washington quarterbacks have had is in that 
he doesn't have the ability to stretch the field in ways that Sam Howell is going to be able to. True. Sam and Howell is really good arm strength. Outside of Carson Wentz, and I never really got a chance to see it with him, and Dwayne Haskins, the Washington has found guys who are game managers who don't have big arms. Yeah. Watching the throws that Sam Howell was able to make in that preseason game and the game against the Cowboys last year, like – I'd rather have like a strong-armed quarterback who is athletic than gunslinger. Yeah, like let's shake it up a little bit. And also, too, we've played this game for so long of just like signing retread quarterbacks to come in, and they're yeah. meh. Because what's the worst that happens? They suck, and they have to go draft Caleb Williams. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I think the thought process behind maybe starting. Um, Jacoby Brissett is that like you don't throw Sam Howell into the fire right away. You wait for Jacoby to fall on his face and then you can have Howell be the like because if he if Howell starts and then let's say he gets off to a bad start, he has a Nate Peterman type game where he throws five interceptions. It's hard to go back to him. Mm-hmm. Right. To where like you start with Jacoby Brissett and like, you know, he's gonna be fine. But like let's say, you know, you guys are like three and three, it's fine which is probably where you guys would be, right? Like, it's fine. He's doing okay, but it's not really enough. That's when you, like, bring in uh, a guy. Again, that's not how I would do it. I'm just saying that that seems like a Ron Rivera move. Yeah. He is definitely going to be a guy who's, like... I think Ron Rivera thinks that if you go 500, that's winning the Super Bowl because he always looks like he's trying to go 500. Yeah, he's not trying to, like, impress people too much. Gatto is the outside person here who's still in Gumby's lower intestine. What do you think? I mean, I I think it speaks more volumes if you don't start Sam Howell at this point, that there's something up with him, and it would would – honestly derail cohesiveness for that team faster than anything else it it's almost like you're you're trying to doom yourself from the start hmm. and i mean maybe this is the whole idea is you basically stack the deck against the enemy right if you're ron rivera so that it comes to the point of looking like shit to start the season and it makes yep. you look better and it puts the power back in your hands because you know, you can only have one head coach, I guess. <laughs> Power struggle. There can only yeah. be one Highlander. It, it's unfortunate because Sam Howell should have should have gotten the nod much sooner last year. Yeah. And what what me. ends up coming coming out of that is, uh, you know, that they're doing this all again. And he's just being used as a pawn. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of crap. You know, the guy deserves better. He's he's working really hard for that fucking team, and he makes watching Washington exciting. Like he, he, he's, he, he's a dynamic really piece good. to that offense. I, I literally said it, man. I said it when, when they drafted him, I was like, they got him in the fifth round. That is fucking insane because in the beginning of that season, his junior year, mind you, he lost both starting running backs, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, he lost Daz Newsome. He lost his other starting receiver. Like he legitimately had number one overall like potential, like everyone was saying, like he could be a guy at the end of the year who wins a Heisman goes number one overall. And I've mentioned this a couple of times. I think the Baker Mayfield effect kind of hurt him because he looks like Baker Mayfield. He plays, he's got like the same body type, same arm, 
Like every, I think people got scared off because of that. He ends up going in the fifth round. He had no business being there in the fifth round. Um, so I think he, I, I think a lot of people may have messed up. He's he's actually the the probably the the only uh, Commanders or Washington quarterback I've ever cheered so hard for. Like when they were playing, they were playing the Cowboys. I, I was cheering so much. I know for that, I know, that game. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it was exciting. But, I was actually happy, you know, happy for him because that's a big win under his belt, right? You know, has has there been any guys like outside of the Mandos and and the Giants? Has there been any guys that you guys kind of like popped off the field and were excited about? Because I'm I'm really excited. Tonight's game is the Browns and the Eagles, and there was a kid that I really loved in the draft, uh, quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, who uh, he's played really well. He looks fucking great. Um, UCLA quarterback, dual threat kid. He got better every single year, kind of Lamar Jackson ish in the way that like you saw his numbers kind of go up every single year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I think he was like, I don't remember even where he went. I think he was like super late in the draft. Um, fifth round pick, 140 overall. Silly. Cause like, especially with the, you know, the, the, the high end quarterbacks in this draft went really early. And then like there was a nice, like big period where none of them were going. So dual threat kid. I'm, I'm tempted tonight. He's going to be going against the Eagles. He's getting the start because uh, he had a really good performance against the commandos. So, I'm interested to see how he does against Philly, probably playing their first team defense. So I, I want to see how he performs because uh, I I'm telling you, Deshaun Watson, I don't know what to expect from him. It's two years pretty much that he has not played, and last year he looked like shit. Some guys regress really early in their career. I know he's only like 27, 28 years old. But like maybe those two years off really kind of hurt him. I mean, here's the thing: I don't know if he's someone that really learns. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. there's a history off the field that shows he doesn't learn from doing the wrong thing. True. So, how hard is it for him maybe to adopt a new playbook, or learn a new style, or increase his skill set? He might be super talented. But Kevin Stefanski as a head coach is arguably one of the better play designers in the league. It's a run first offense, which is might be too you know, heady for him. Fit. Might be too heady for him. I mean, they, again, the Browns, we talked about this ad nauseum after everything that happened that like they really took a big swing on giving him a fully guaranteed contract, which no one else is going to get, by the way. Like, and teams have they, pretty much put it out there that they're not doing that. They've really built his receiving core around him too. I think he's they've given him options that are that work well with him. Like I've seen a few things about him and Elijah Moore connecting very well. Um, was Elijah Moore healthy though? Is he healthy though? Because he walked off the field in that commander's game. Oh, uh, was he? Yeah, I know there's been some guys that have been getting injured. Been, been like, his problem. I think Najoku has a big year. Um that's that's the prediction, right? Which everybody needs that because we need more depth at tight end in fantasy yeah. leagues. <laughs> we, we've talked to, we talked about Jalen Hyatt. Um, obviously, his teammate in college at Tennessee was Cedric Tillman, guy I also really liked. He's on the Browns mm-hmm. as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Marquise Goodwin is sitting in the depths there somewhere. I don't know how much impact, but he's yeah. still a guy who had, had some solid years. I mean... Can, can, I, can I just say how much I fucking hate Howie Roseman? Like, I've said this before. I fucking hate him, man. This motherfucker 
for a team that already had like the number one rushing offense for literally nothing, loses Miles Sanders, which he's a good back, but he's okay, right? He gets fucking DeAndre Swift for fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. And then gets signs cool. Rashad Penny. And of course, this is going to be the year that Rashad Penny stays fucking healthy mm-hmm. and like yeah. just destroys people. I mean, they're going to have with Boston Scott, who always fucking kills the Giants anyway. And then um, that other kid that they have, who's really talented, kind of a scat back. I just, I, I just, Game, how does Gainwell. he? Kenneth Gainwell, thank you. Yeah. He, I don't know how this motherfucker keeps getting away with it. I just really don't. I mean, the trades part always surprises me. Like when they're able to just pick these guys up for peanuts for nothing, and people are like, drives me nuts. You know, it happens in every sport, though. There's always like a mark that a guy like Roseman can pick somebody up and they give away nothing and they get a guy who they can get like a strong year out of and they go on and win a fucking championship. Like it happens with the Dodgers. It happens with the Eagles. And then he'll leave and then Swift will have like a 1500 yard season. He'll leave. He'll sign a huge contract somewhere else, and then they get a comp pick out of it too. He'll go to like it's, fucking it's Jacksonville fucking or stupid. something. And this, but this apart. team, this team hedges solely on staying healthy, right? I think if two pieces on on this roster go down, this team doesn't operate. Like Jalen Hurts gets hurt, forget about it. This team is obliterated instantly. Marcus Mariota is your backup, forget it. You're going um, five hundred from that point on. Best, best. Yeah. Well, the, the big question for me is going to be like Jonathan Gannon's gone. Obviously, the offense corner gone too. You know, uh, Shane Stetchian went to the Colts. So there, there's, there is like a legitimate concern that like, are they going to be able to recreate what they did last year? Um, how much no. of it was them? How much was it like? You know, the head coach schedule. Right. So it's all going to be tougher this year. So, yeah, I think there's a legitimate question. But, I mean, I, I honestly, I hate to say it. I think Jalen Hurts is a legitimate MVP candidate this year. So I want to yeah, see just one more year. I, I, I do, too. I do, too. But I, I don't – I think he's the real deal. I feel like they've disrespected him to this point, actually. And I always love – I love Jalen Hurts in college. Dude, was, I, dude he, I mean, he was, he's a hard worker. He's humble. He gets He gets out there, and he just wants to win. He got benched in a national championship game by then uh, offense coordinator Brian Dable uh, for Tua. They end up winning the championship because Tua just fucking goes off. And, like, just just the ultimate fucking teammate and, like, was super fucking, like, supportive of him. And it's just, like, just seems like a good dude. And, like, I just it fucking pains me because he's a fucking eagle and I hate the eagles. Yeah. 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 I want to transition to fantasy football for a second, guys. Um, Where fantasy football season is upon us, my favorite time of year. There's been a lot of, like, I've been looking at mock drafts, and, like, there seems to be a lot of contention about the number one pick. Like, most years, I think there's a pretty confident, um, like, Jonathan Taylor was a pretty confident number one pick last year. And obviously, that that did not work out. That did not work out at all. By the way, running running back one from every year has not repeated in like the last five or six years, so there has not been a consistent. We are now starting to see Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and guys like that, Cooper Cup, getting legit first pick uh, buzz. Some people are going really wide receiver heavy and banking on more 
running backs like Brees Hall or Tony Pollard, maybe in round two and three. Um, although now with Dalvin Cook in New York, uh, it's going to complicate Brees Hall. Where, what is your approach? If you get the number one pick in the draft this year, where would you be focusing? Are you going to stay true and maybe go with like McCaffrey? Um, or are you going to go for a more, I think, maybe safer option with a, with a wide receiver? You got to play the board, right? Like it's it's not so much a matter of like, oh, this is my strategy. I want to take – I, I want to be the guy that, you know, first round I'm taking the – the wide receiver or the running back it's who is present at that exact moment and they are the best option for your team if you had the number one overall pick though gotta who would you pick yeah this is this it's, is it's this McCaffrey. is not about falling to you this is about you're on the clock and it's like you have the number you you log into yahoo's draft and literally you're sitting there at number one and you have to make a decision this uh, is a tougher cigarette year. And you got a ciggy in one hand and the mouse in the other you got the gym suit on you You're up. The, you got the fucking leather mask with the zipper mouth, and you <laughs> unzip the mouth, take a sip of Lacroix with straw, and who are you taking? I mean, again, I think you still fall to the points, and the workhorse is still going to be Christian McCaffrey, and he's still going to get you a ton of fucking points so long as he's healthy. And yes, I, that you could say that. How but... are you going to press enter when you got your like leather glove like finger inhibitors? Are I will point press- out, though, Gatto, the one thing to be a little bit concerned about, I know McCaffrey's a beast. I love his receiving ability. And in San Francisco, he's going to – that offense is better, right? Like, I don't care who quarterback is. Like, it doesn't really matter. Kyle Shanahan's one of the best run game, uh, you know, coordinators out there. But the splits that he had with Elijah Mitchell healthy and without Elijah Mitchell healthy were way different. Now, Elijah Mitchell has never stayed healthy. Right. So there's an anticipation that he probably won't. But man, if he stays healthy this entire year, is McCaffrey going to be like Kyle? The one thing that's frustrating about Kyle Shanahan is he mixes his running backs. Is McCaffrey going to get the 250 plus carries? He's going to get the 100 plus targets. I don't know. It worries me a little bit. So I think the difference between. McCaffrey and other running backs is McCaffrey is a guy that is really, really good at both things, catching route, like running routes and catching passes and also being a good running back in the soul's purpose, like running between the tackles, running outside of them. The guy can do it all. And I think what, I think what Shanahan's approach is going to be is I'm going to have multiple backs on this team, but McCaffrey is the guy that we traded for to bring in. Like we've let guys, we've traded picks away to bring this guy in. He's our bell cow. He's too good to like only give 15 touches a game. But isn't there a belief though, that they're probably going to want to keep him fresh for the playoffs though, and then un- unleash him. So it's like, I, I wouldn't be shocked yeah, but, if they, they do like a three tiered running back system, there. but no, I mean, yes, but I think you still got to get there into that position where you true. can make that decision Very and, true. and then decide to slide. And by that point, you've kind of, you're, you've kind of coasted into what I call the, the mess of the season where, you know, your your team, your roster that you started with that that season is now all over the place and you've dropped half of your picks and you've yeah. picked up and 
it's it's just become this amorphous you know waiver wire thing um so you know at that point even though you'll probably be really banking on him having good games he might be mediocre by that point but you know they have a buy in week nine and that's usually the week in which teams start to change their game plan yeah. for the second half of the season and mm-hmm. you know it's there's still a lot of football that gets played before that you know and i think uh it's it's just you know you also have to look at it like you know when you're looking at those rankings like i want i want to have if i can you know top 10 players in their positions right you know so it's it's if I'm if I'm going down the line and McCaffrey's there, Justin Jefferson's there, I want McCaffrey because he's the number one at running back. Currently, Cooper Cup is still considered the number one. Yeah, that, in, and that's in receiver, that's where I'm and that's a and that's a weird thing because I don't I have no interest actually in drafting a Cooper Cup. I don't. Yeah, given that option, I don't have I don't have the faith because I think we've talked about it in the past. When I'm picking my wide receivers, I'm picking it based on quarterback strength, durability, arm strength, the their their game, you know, their gaming abilities. It's just that's more contingent on whether or not they're productive year to year. You know, that's why I actually I'm hot on the Jets this year. I think they finally have an upgrade that could that could yield some great great stuff for Garrett Wilson. You know, I still think Chris Chris Olave is going to be the most wasted talent in the receiving core because he doesn't have a fucking quarterback. Uh, Get Derek Carr. Listen, 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 listen. I am, I am, I am. Chris Olave's my time to park that car. He's he's my guy this year. Like I'm getting him in every league this year. I'm gonna have to disagree. No, because because I'm gonna tell you something. He's not gonna be available late. (laughs) <laughs> no, probably not. Like mid mid tier rounds, probably like round th- five, four, four or five. But think about it this way: he led the league in air yards per target, right? So like he's a deep threat. What's the one thing that Derek Carr can do well? Huck the fucking ball down the field. Fair. That was the only thing that pissed me off last year was they kept going with Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston when he was healthy, and I was like, put fucking Jameis Winston in. Chris Olave would have like that's the only thing James Winston can do well is throw the fucking ball down the field. Right. So like give me like ball. so I'm I'm all in on Chris Olave. Um but I understand what you're saying. I don't think the sense. Saints are gonna be good. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be terrible, but I think Olave will have potential. But God oh Garrett Wilson, totally on on spot because he he I mean for him to be do what he did last year, um <laughs> With whatever with whatever they fucking had, was. fucking garbage at fucking at quarterback <laughs> Zach Wilson, fucking Zach Morris, and then uh, now you get Aaron fucking Rodgers. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, but can, what can I we wanna... go back to the can we go back to the Niners real quick? Yeah, sure. sure. Is it big deal, little deal, no deal that the 49ers traded for Trey Lance? They traded like like first uh-huh. three three first round picks for him, and in camp, like people are saying that he's completely like lost and is incapable of like managing an offense. Like this is the hard just, part. Because this also, is- too, the other component of that is Brock Purdy is coming back from a major arm injury where he wasn't throwing all summer and he's still rehabbing it. And we could potentially see a Sam Darnold Trey Lance 
pillow fight for the number one position. I, like, I, but I Trey actually, Lance, like, what has happened with this guy? I actually have a, a bet going with one of my friends um, that because he's convinced that Sam Darnold's going to have a top fifteen season this year because Kyle Shanahan said he was the best quarterback he's ever I, seen. I know, I know. I, I'm I'm a little worried because I took the I took the under on that. I'm like, there's no way. But like, but well, Brock Purdy's thrown <laughs> apparently Brock Purdy's thrown 11 interceptions in training camp. Like he holy like, fuck shit. And then yeah, there's obviously um, issues with um, there's obviously issues with Trey Lance. I I don't know, man, because like Trey Lance need this is my thing about Trey Lance. Everyone is fucking shitting on Trey Lance, and I get it. Okay, but here's my thing. The man has not taken a lot of snaps. Like go back to his college career. He had he played for North Dakota that that COVID year. They played one game, literally one game. That was the year before he got drafted. Year before that, I think it was a one year or two year starter. High school, he didn't even play that much. He's relatively new to the position. So the only like thing relatively really going- new to football. Yeah, pretty much. The <laughs> sounds like I've played going, more fucking football games than him. The, like, the only thing Christ. that's going to help him is reps. But the problem is he ended up in the best position with Kyle Shanahan, but the worst position because the 49ers are a team that expects to make the Super Bowl this year. So they can't allow Trey Lance to go through the fucking bumps and bruises that it's going to take for him to be a good quarterback. But you need to do that for him to get to the position he needs. They're really stuck in a fucking bad spot. I mean, what yeah. was he doing when he was injured? Was he not trying to learn the system, get better? Like, what was he? Was he just like sitting on a fucking exercise bike and getting his fucking knee iced? Like, what the fuck? That was also year two, Gano, when he was the starter last year. He sat yeah. for an entire he year. Broke his leg. Broke his leg. Yeah. Tore his ACL last year. Like, Q is right there. Like you do have to get reps at a certain point, but also like you've now had two years of sitting in Kyle Shanahan's office going through tape. You should know like how the system works and operates. Yeah. But at the same time, what you just listed off, like the limited amount that he has played shows to me that everybody was out of their fucking gourds for drafting this guy or having the desire mm-hmm. to draft him within the top 10. Should have taken nope. Justin Fields, honestly. Should have taken Justin Fields. He failed. He failed. I said, I, by the way, I said that. I yeah. thought it was a mistake. And this, is a, this is a non-Justin Fields hating show, too. I said that the Jets should have taken Justin Fields at number two instead of Zach Wilson. But we got excited because guys did really, really well at the combine where there's no actual football activities that happen. Well, either way. Um, so yeah. getting back to the question that I posed, I, I understand where you're coming from, Gato. I, I just think that for me, Cooper Cup, man, come on. Like, this is the year the Rams are going to be shit. Stafford is healthy-ish. But it's Cooper Cup. This man's target share is going to be fucking banana. Now the only problem is he's, he's the only piece of yeah. Well, that's name the thing. name another Ram receiver. Pew, pew, name stop another selling. Ram stop selling. Higby. Name Higby's early there. That's a tight end, but best, yeah. Name, name another wide option. receiver on yeah. the Rams. Who's the other guy? Van like Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. Jefferson yeah. They don't have anything there. I mean, they're um, pretty anonymous. You have to admit, like that whole team is like. Yeah, they're all in fucking witness protection at this point. Yeah, I think I'm going with Cooper Cup. Now the only problem is he is injured, but like I don't think it's a serious one. 
So if he comes back and he's ready to go, like it's going to be like, that's going to be probably where I go. Like Justin Jefferson would be the only other guy that I would even consider. Um, But I, I don't know, man, like these running backs scare the shit out of me. Every last one of them scare the shit out of me. And it's probably going to come back to bite me, honestly. But I'll like, tell you one that's not going to scare the shit out of me. Bijan Robinson. I, I, I'm looking at some man. projections right now, Q, and he's like, a top 10 pick never he's, taken he's a professional is, going as a top 10 pick never taken a, a professional flag. snap never taken a professional snap and they're already i think that's also a problem too yeah he's talented don't get me wrong but right. it also shows the like limited depth of like guaranteed bell cow running backs in the nfl where you have a rookie who is already going to be a top 10 pick and he's like never taken a professional snap in a live game. So I'm What's intrigued. I am intrigued. Let's just say that. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that like, there's competition there. Like Tyler Ajir was a fifth round pick last year, had a thousand yards. Cordella mm-hmm. Patterson's always going to yeah, somewhat be involved. One of the best involved. careers was it right. last year? Yeah, it yeah, was like yeah. Two years ago, people were like, "This guy's thirty-seven years old. How is he doing this right now?" Two two years ago, he was he was so good. Um, there's going to be competition there, but no one is better at scheming a run game system than Arthur Smith, is my my opinion. So, and I think he's going to get receptions. I think he's like he's going to get like a lot of targets um, out of the backfield. So. I'm I Bijan, like if you're sitting there in kind of no man's land, like six, if you're like five or six and like people have kind of gone wide receiver heavy and like maybe McCaffrey comes off the board and you're kind of sitting there and you don't really know where to go. I I, I can't argue against going again, going for Bijan Robinson, because like the 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 range of outcomes for Bijan Robinson is probably 250 carries potentially. They're going to run the ball a lot. They also have Desmond Ritter, a quarterback who's like interesting, dual threat quarterback, but like not proven or anything. So they're going to want to rely on the run game. Here's my one take on this, though, is that if Bijan Robinson's available, Derrick Henry's still available, and Derrick Henry is probably a better bet. Even despite being yes. older, the yeah. guy is consistent about where he ends up, and it's typically top five year to year. I, I think the only concern he with Henry, Henry man. yeah, it's just age. I think the I think the concern with him is that he finally he 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 avoided the injury bug pretty much his entire career, barely ever missing games, and then now it's like he is getting close to thirty, and he did have the the He's not serious injuries. There there is a concern that like this is where we're gonna see the decline. I don't think so. Are we yet. seeing roof? Yeah, I I mean, right. Sure, like there's eventually gonna be a sunset point, but like right. you know, Saquon is still going super high and. I feel like he's he's beaten and battered, but still people have high expectations at for him for sure for, for performance, sure. you know. And it's like I don't well, know. Do you, I think you just take like Derrick Henry comes becomes a safer bet. Someone who someone who this is this is a question I have is what do you guys make of Jonathan Taylor's situation? What do you? Oh make, boy, what, what a do star that has of, fallen. What know. do you? What do you think his season's gonna look like? I pray he gets traded to the Dolphins. I don't think that's happening because no, it's not. They they got they got a chain man. That guy's going to be 
he's a sneaky good late round pick. Um, yeah. Devin A. Chain. Yeah, he's that's he's my, fast. my sneaky. That's that's my uh, tip yeah. to everybody out La- there. Last last the few rounds at the end. Of the, yep, at the end. Um, I don't know. I don't. By the way, I want to point out. Um, I was just talking about Cedric Tillman. Uh, two catches for fifty yards already in this game. Um, hmm. Sneaky good fantasy option. They don't really have like a ton of targets here in Cleveland, so. Um, I I don't know. I, I think he's going to report because he really doesn't have any other options. But the problem is that like the I I just don't know. I like the offense. Shane Setchian was the Eagles offensive coordinator last year. He's going to be able to scheme like a Jalen Hurts like system with Anthony Richardson. And I think them running that type of like, you know, QB option type plays is going to leave Jonathan Taylor open. But they got to do something. They got to like maybe renegotiate with him, give him some like easy like incentives to hit or something. But like they got to do something because I don't know. It's it, we're getting closer and it doesn't look like anything's changed there. He's um, also hurt too. So his position is kind of compromised. Yeah. So it's, it's I don't, an I don't know. And a back injury. Like, he could be a guy that comes out this year and just, but like he worried he me from the start. The back thing yes. is, is literally not, it's like false. He hasn't had back pain or anything like that. And that they're just using that against him in not wanting to pay him. And it's bad. I don't know. I said it from the start though, that he, he was a guy that I loved coming out of Wisconsin, but he worried the shit out of me because he had like almost a thousand career carries there. So was it just that he had an outlier year on an easy schedule? Is he David Johnson? David, remember David Johnson had that fucking insane year in like his second or third season. And then just, it was too much for him and he just never recovered. I don't know. He peaked way too soon. It, It depends. If you're telling me Jonathan Taylor is sitting there in the third round and I'm, I'm up. I'm sure. taking him. I'll take him. Why not? Right? Like, because honestly, getting getting a guy who was the number one pick consensusly last year in the third round is is really big. But uh, I don't know. There, there's a cap on like the same thing with Josh Jacobs. Like, what do you do with Josh Jacobs? I mean, Josh Jacobs might have a bounce back here. But he's not he, he, a team. Well, the, the, that's the problem is that he he had that career year. He wants the contract to where Saquon that whole situation got resolved doesn't look like the Raiders are going to do shit for him so I don't know and then now with the Raiders Jimmy fucking G at quarterback it's just oof. no more Derek Carr as much as Derek Carr was not perfect um I don't know I don't know what to make of Josh Jacobs because I bet against him a lot last year and he fucking he put up big numbers so I don't know it's it, it is really really hard with running backs this year that's why I like for me like Tony Pollard Brees Hall, those type of guys are going to be the guys that I'm probably targeting, like, you know, lower risk, higher reward rather than taking. I, I I usually always take running backs in the first round. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it this year other than like a couple guys. Yeah, I mean, some of the guys that I'm looking at right now that I would be I would invest something in is probably like Travis Etienne. Um, yep. David Montgomery. David Montgomery, but he's going like um, 30. So he's deep down. So there is. Okay. So after you get through like the top 10, the next 10 are kind of besides ETN, like they're all part-timers at that point. Yeah, yeah. they really yeah. are, man. And, and so you're looking at people who are, I mean, JK Dobbins is coming in like projected like 13th 
Ooh. right now. Ooh. Kenneth Walker III. Kenneth Walker. <sighs> I don't know what to make of that, though. So with, with, Char- with Charbonnet there, they spend a second back to back to back years. They go Which, second rounder on a running back. A thousand, a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. To look for is Charbonnet and and then uh, in Jigma Smith or Smith and Jimba. Oh yeah, Jackson. Smith those are Jigma, those are yeah. two players that yeah. I'm really interested in seeing this week in preseason. I I love Kenneth Walker, but like the he he unfortunately has the Saquon thing, which is like. He's either going to get you two yards or he's going to get you 80 yards. So he needs two to be yards, more consistent. The goal line ain't so bad. Yeah, but Charbonnet is a big – and, like, also Charbonnet is, like, the same type of back. Like, they're big power backs that have a little bit of shiftiness. So it's, like – it's not even like he's a scat back or something. Like, they literally drafted the same type of running back. And Did like Pete Carroll want it that way? Man, but it's Carroll like – Pete Carroll wanted it that way, Pete Carroll's going to get what he wants. I just don't know what to make work. of – I just they're there. This is like there's a lot of situations where I'm like, I don't want any part of that running back room because they're all trash. I don't know what to make of this because like they're all relatively good. And it's just like, you know, but like they're going to throw the ball a ton, too, because they have those trio of good receivers. And it's like, I don't know where like if you, I feel like if you take Kenneth Walker, you have to grab Charbonnet at some point. Like you have to like maybe go a little round early I, and get Charbonnet. I think it's because they know that at some point they have to make up for Geno Smith in some ways and get some pressure off of him, give him some time. Yeah, because he is—he's an older dude that has played the bench most of his career. So. Can he re- can he recreate last year? Exactly. And so yeah. you need to have at least some some sort of way of just taking that off him when he's having an off night. And I think that might be part of this is that. They might all end up with high volume, and it might actually be a year to stay away from their receiving core for I that know, reason. It's tough, yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. they have such talented receivers. It's it's a weird. I mean, I still I still sit there and I go when I think of picking Tyler Lockett, I think I'm still in 2015, but he still produces. Yeah, you know, it's 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 wild. I thought without Russell Wilson, I'm like I don't want any part of Tyler Lockett because like they just had such a good relationship. Yeah, and and. Uh, and yeah. No, it's it's like, D, you know, DJ Metcalf is still fucking killing it. You know, like it's weird. Metcalf's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the Seattle situation, but that, those backs scare scare the shit out of me. That's for sure. I think this is more of a year where you do. You need to take some chances on some guys too, because for all of like the big name guys out there, like Taylor, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler. Christian McCaffrey, there's a bunch of guys that are on like that next cusp of like the Damian Pierce's. Yeah. The Damian Pierce's the ETN. um, If Isaiah Pacheco plays a full year um, and then other guys like Najee Harris, like I think I'm just looking at the AFC right now. And it seems like there's more of those guys than there are of in the NFC. The NFC seems like a bunch of retread dudes, but I think this might be the time where you kind of have to take a chance with some of those guys that were rookies last year or in their second year of starting. And this is their breakout now because all those guys for the most part had pretty decent years. Like even if you're not in love with Kenneth Walker, like you gave him nine touchdowns, like, and Najee Harris is another guy. I think he was seven and seven. Um, never, seven never. Rushings. I hate Najee Harris so much. He screwed me last year. So bad. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how much there's left. These there's behind him though. Oh, seven I, touchdowns rushing, 
three receiving. I mean, that's the problem with like, I, I also have gotten into the cycle lately where I like, I draft a guy, he screws me. I don't draft him the next year and then he ends up having a great year. So buy Najee Harris apparently this year because he screwed me last year. Yeah, but I mean, if you're you're searching for receiver, I mean, if you're searching for a running back, I think again after that that um, that first core ten go, like you might want to just go and look for receivers right at that time. I'm, and I'm telling come you, back just a little bit later, like once I, once you get down to the Damian P- Pierce's, the the Alexander Damian. Madison's. Like that's probably where you might want to go and pick up again and start looking at running backs again. I've and I see running it, it, back, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back might be a good way to start this draft. And the I, other thing to that, Gatto, is like that might be just like you need to pay attention every week to like who's the best matchup. Like, don't spend a lot of time trying yeah. to draft a guy who's going to yeah. be like 900 yards, blah blah yeah. blah. But you burned a pick where you could have gotten something better there. Like by like. Week seven or eight of our league last year, it was every week, okay, who is more likely to score a touchdown in this week? And that would be the guy I'd pick up and start running back, and I'd just dump him the next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what's interesting is, like, I – I I think you're right about that, Tom. It's just – it's such a a crapshoot. But I kind of like the second round running backs a little bit better because, like, I think Derrick Henry is going to be a second rounder this year. I don't know if he's a first rounder in a 10 or 12 team league. Well, Derrick Derrick Henry is a value pick almost anywhere you're going to get him, right? But But the guy that I've been singing the praises of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy I've been singing the praises of all year is Nick fucking Chubb. I'm telling you, the Nick Chubb. Like the it, the potential this year, I think is big. I think he's gonna. I think this is gonna be the year where he actually like really kind of shines through. He's been arguably the best running back in the NFL, like best pure runner in the NFL. But now with like Kareem Hunt kind of limited his his reps, and now Kareem Hunt's gone. They don't really have a ton behind him. A couple yeah. guys that are really interesting, mm-hmm. but like nobody really significant. Um. And like now you're like talking about like with Deshaun Watson, if he comes back and if he's old Deshaun Watson, not much in the receiving core. He's going to get receptions behind the, the uh, in the back. Like he's been kind of sneaky good at that. Mm-hmm. I'm all in on Nick Chubb this year. Like he's one of he's one of my like lock them in type guys. Yeah, I mean, they're they're saying he's. Projected to get like twelve touchdowns this year, fourteen hundred to fifteen hundred yards. He had a quietly uh, he, he had a relatively quiet year last year, and he still put up double digit touchdowns. Surprising, they're saying he he might have um the third most touches at that position. He's gonna get so fed. PPR league. It it's probably you know the the way to go. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking, I mean, he had 1,500 yards last year, and he had 12 rushing touchdowns. And I mean, again, I would argue it wasn't even really a great year for him. I would argue he's going to get more touches than even he. He would probably be the number one or number two in terms of touches because Bijan Robinson likely isn't going to have 309 touches this year, and that's I think the projection for him. There's always a there's always a guy that goes in like round two or round three in most drafts that ends up being like a top three player in fantasy. I think if you're looking at a guy that for that, it's Nick Chubb this year. I think he's going to probably go in round two, maybe round three in, in some drafts, and he's going to be that fucking guy that like ends up having a top three year. 
Hmm. Now, besides those guys, you know, in the top 10, top 20. Yeah. When you're going depth, when you're going deep, right, running backs. Yeah. Where are you putting your money, right? You're trying to fill spots on the bench. What are you looking at? Um, Ryan Robinson's a name that comes to mind. Khalil Herbert. Alvin Kamara. Despite having to start, you know, the season. I think he's cooked. I think he's done. I think he's done. You think Alvin Kamara's cooked? Yeah. I I think he's I think he's gonna shine this year. I had him on my team last year and there was like a handful of games that he was productive. Um, I mean that offense was floundering and unproductive. Yeah, I I don't know. I will say it's not better this year than it was last year though. I don't know. I, I well, I'm gonna say a name, and Tom, you might want to avert your ears because this is gonna trigger you pretty hard. Okay, just are you prepared? Are you, are you, this is a safe space. I'm just letting you know. My body is ready. Samaj P. Ryan, <laughs> dead to me. <laughs> that is still me. the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, Samaj P. Ryan's on the Broncos. And like, it's actually, listen, I'm not pick. touching anything on that team this year. Listen, I listen. don't know, man. Starting running backs are starting running backs, right? Javante Williams, I don't know where he is right now. For three with... ligaments in his leg. Three. And if you saw anything with Saquon, he had the same type of thing. It took him an extra year to kind of get back. They're saying he's going to play in this preseason game coming up, but like, I don't, they're going to try and limit his reps. Samaje P. Ryan, last year, filling in for Joe Mixon, he had 681 total yards and six touchdowns on 133 touches. What about the year before? All right, listen. What about the I'm last going, game of the year? It's it's a what have you done for me lately, buddy? Okay. <laughs> so the fact that what about he, the last game of the year? <laughs> and and I'm gonna go with the commandos here. Antonio Gibson. You, you mentioned Brian Robinson. Antonio Gibson to me in an Eric Bieniemy type offense with a you know receiver that has that type of ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, this is going to be kind of a make or break year for Gibson. He had a pretty decent year last year, better than I expected, but like, you know, not really what you were hoping for. But like, he's he's got, I mean, he was a top 10 running back. He was running back 10 last year. So, mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, like in PPR, big touchdown guy, too. Big touchdown guy. So, I, I, I think he has real potential to be one of those guys who goes like sixth or seventh round super late and then ends up like again putting up another top 10 season my my one thing though with antonio gibson being around is i think around that same point you're gonna find james connor Mm. and there is just no offense there's just no offense in arizona so james connor is gonna have a year in just carries and great working great great pick Gatto. honestly james connor uh from a ppr standpoint the guy just He's going to get volume, so there's really nobody there either. Yeah, there's kind of a ceiling where, like, the last of like the the 200 touches. Yeah, right. He's like probably one of the last, but that's he's probably on the low end of the 200 touches because that no one has any no one has any hope for for Arizona this year. Everyone is just written off Kyler Murray completely. Yeah. Um, Hollywood it's, Hollywood Brown, like nobody, nobody has anything. Like it's it's not going to be a good year. They're they're clearly with now two first round picks. The Texans pick also. 
I think they're really going to try and hope that they get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, top two picks. But, yeah, no, great great pick with James Conner, though. He's a guy that, like, I think, you know, fourth, fifth round. But let me throw a name out there because his brother has been getting a lot of attention in New York. But James Cook was sneaky good towards the end of the year. Buffalo needs to fucking run the ball. They need to run the ball. They need to switch up. They can't have Josh Allen playing hero ball of them. Now, I know they signed Damian Harris, and that worries me because he's, you know, if there's going to be a goal line back, it's going to be Damian Harris. So he could siphon off a lot. But James Cook, to me, is a guy who I think really came on strong last year and could be one of those guys that just comes out of nowhere and, and has a, a really big season. Again, the lineage, Dalvin Cook's brother. Well, both lines are there. Terry's gone. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, so there's there's a little less competition. Yeah. Um. So that increases the opportunities, right? So. Yeah. Damian you know, Harris worries me, but it's it's funny that you said that, Q, because Damian Harris was going to be my pick. Really? Okay. I, I had I had him two Can't years ago me. in that in that 15 touchdown year. I don't know what happened last year. I think he just he got hurt. Fe- he, he, got, he, got, he, he got gets hurt. He gets hurt every he gets hurt every year. He got hurt. He had homeless guy being his offensive coordinator for the whole season too, which probably doesn't help. Um, but I mean, 929 yards in 2021 with 15 touchdowns. Like, yeah. You give him space and you give him an opportunity. I I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be hard for James Cook to hang on to that position for so long because Harris has proven that he's a pretty yeah. dynamic player. I want to throw one out there for people who are in like keeper leagues. Like, if, you know, if you're looking for like a late round guy, Chase I will Bur- be looking for this. <laughs> well, yeah, we're in the, we're in that lead together. Gatto, so ignore what I'm about to just say uh, Chase Brown, uh, my Cincinnati Bengal running back. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon was very much on the verge of getting cut. And then he took a pay cut and they worked out a new contract. And it's a, basically a one-year deal. Chase Brown is a like big home run hitter. He does have fumbling issues. So that's something he has to like work on. But like, man, that offense with now Samaj P. Ryan's gone. And in a year or two, like he could be heavily involved this season because they do like to limit Mixon's reps because he has injury histories. But like potential for this year and then now like over the next three or four years could be a dynamic player for them. So in that offense too, I mean, it's just really, really interesting. How are you guys feeling about Jameer Gibbs with Detroit? Because he's a guy that we haven't talked about. Just got drafted running back out of Alabama. I don't know. No. They, so, there's a lot of touches to give up because now that uh, what's his name is gone. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean David well, Montgomery. David Montgomery is the backup there now too. And also, um, he had the 18 touchdowns last year. I can't remember his name. Uh, he's on the Saints now. We haven't really talked about him either. Um, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Thank you. Um, we haven't really talked now. Like they're both gone. So it is literally just between Dave Montgomery and, and Jameer Gibbs pretty much. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think because like, you know, everyone was kind of high on DeAndre Swift last year. And then I don't know where now, you know, Jamal Williams has 18 fucking touchdowns. 
Right. So it's it, it's hard to gauge, but I would I, if I'm picking one, I'd probably go with the guy they drafted in the top ten. But Montgomery, it's going to be involved. It's going to be a messy backfield. I don't know. How, I don't know how I, to parse that. I I wonder. I think it's contingent on the success of that offense in the first place, right? Because I, I think for for Detroit, and this has probably chronically been a problem for them forever is uh controlling the flow and tempo of a game because all too often they are playing comeback ball mm. and this might be one of the first years where they they need to to learn how to conserve and slow down the tempo of the game and just run a bit because they actually have an offense that can get down the field and do a lot of things now and so there's a good there's a good argument to say that Jameer Gibbs will be the second half of the game, he'll just be eking out three, four yards, a carry, and slowly just marching down the field to keep the game progressing, right? And that's that's where I kind of see him either having value or also being frustrating to have on your on your bench. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be an easy – like there might be game, weeks where Gibbs goes off and then weeks where – Montgomery goes off, so it, it might be a frustrating backfield to have. But... Somewhere from like an eight to fifteen point week to week thing. I, I also on. think though that like there there is potential that both of them have really big years too. So like that's the yeah. problem is like I don't know. I, well, I, they I don't have know. they have Gibbs listed as the like the passing downs running back. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that David Montgomery is probably going to be the primary like running the ball running back for now. I mean like and Ben Johnson Ben Johnson is was a sneaky guy that I thought was going to get a head coaching gig and he turned it down. So um it's uh it's you know he he's a he's a rising star in uh in coaching so I really loved his game plans last year. Their off running offense was really good. It's just a question of whether or not uh you know who who they end up taking. So yeah. I did not expect Jamal Williams to have that many touchdowns. So I mean there is a lot of like touches that are now in the air. So it is possible that both of them are viable running backs, starters, like maybe in a flex, but it's possible that maybe not one of them takes that like 250 carries, you know? Yeah. It, just it both could like be your new solid. Buffalo receivers. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Hmm. Last thing here. Yeah. What do we, how do we feel about Jordan Love this year? So that's interesting. Um, I am in a keeper league. I picked up Jordan Love uh, off waivers towards the end of the year because he was just sitting there, and I've had a feeling Rodgers would get traded or released or whatever. It's going to cost me a ninth-round pick to keep him. I'm going to because, I don't know, every time he's played, he's looked sharp. And... I think it's just he's got to be like like you know I, I want to see what he looks like over a full season. Now it's a super flex league, so he's going to be my QB two. He's not my starter. He's not my my quarterback one. Um, but I I'm I mean man, the Packers just seem to get lucky when it comes to quarterbacks. So it's yeah. like one of those things that like I just have a feeling he's going to be better than people are kind of anticipating. I think pa- the Packers in general are going to be better than people anticipate. Yeah, I think there's there's still a good core of a team there. Um, and from what I understand, the the last or the most recent preseason game that they played in, he did pretty well. Um, mm. he, the, he was only in two series, but pro or uh, 
PFF graded him out at a 75.6, which my understanding is that's pretty good for them. Anything over 50 is is considered like, you know, 50 is average, but like yeah. so you're, you're well above average if you're a 75. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I think that there's some talent there. And I think if they didn't, I, my opinion is if the Packers didn't think that there was something there, they would have held on to Aaron Rodgers and they would have gone out and drafted somebody else. Yeah. Or they would have gone, gone out and signed a like more prominent backup than Sean Clifford or Steve I mean, Clifford or whatever the fuck his yeah. name is. I would say this is, this is a weird take, right? And I probably would get roasted by a lot of people for this, but I think if you're going to bet big on Jordan love, or maybe you bet on him because you got burnt on quarterback runs and then you waited way too late. Yeah. Um, if you if you pick up Jordan Love, you have to go and pick up Christian Watson. And I it's say that stack. potential good true. stack. It's yeah. a stack. It's a handcuff almost. Um, in in a in some sense because one cannot do well without the other because there is who who else? I mean. I'm I'm trying to think right now who the other receivers are there. It's Romeo Dobbs Romeo, is Romeo Dobbs is the number yeah. two, you know, like but, I but haven't Watson... even heard, heard of half of the other guys. I think they're all new, right? They're all they're all rookies. I mean it's a yeah, young the most part. They really... also have uh Luke Musgrave, the tight end that they drafted, who's like kind of an athletic freak dude. So there's there's some there and Aaron Jones and like, you know, I I don't think anything changes for Aaron Jones or uh or any of the run games, so no, but I, 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 sorry, Tom. No, I was going to just add to what you were saying, Gatto. Like, of all of those, like, young receivers there, Watson is the one that kind of separated himself from all of them. So, yeah. what you're yeah. saying is, like, getting, like, the one-two punch of love and Watson. Frankly, we, we recommend that for, like, any, like, high-end quarterback that we're going to pick. Like, going after Watson, too, just makes sense. If anything, you'll probably a better value than like okay i drafted burrow and let's see if i can get tyler boyd or something like that but you're probably gonna have to go high for him it's it's just very it ends up being very boomer bust with them because if they produce they're producing together in my opinion yeah. there's just i would agree you know yeah I, I, they're getting I, I, smoked by detroit or something forget about it <laughs> i i honestly think people are too low on the packers this year um, I'm, I, and again, like if you, if you are looking for fan, like fantasy security, like you, like you mentioned the Tom's Sean Clifford is the backup. They, they're going to stick with him through thick and thin. Like there's really no other guy that they're going to go with. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's, I mean, everything looks good on his end. So, I mean, I guess we'll just see what happens. We have one more game left, one more preseason game. Do I have that right? Two more. Two more? Okay. Well, t- tonight, tomorrow, I think there's even some uh, Saturday. And then yeah. the final the final dress rehearsal, right, is is week three. That's that's where you kind of see what your team's going like, to look like really going into it. Um, okay. Yeah, this, this week, uh, I believe you guys are playing the Ravens Monday. So Monday night, you guys are playing the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean that makes sense. They had their joint practice with them. Um, that'll probably be the only game that is like one where um, the starters play a D 
decent chunk because I don't imagine they're going to play at all for game three. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see how the Ravens are this year just with um, Lamar coming back. And also, too, do they have an offense that can actually help him out instead of him having to do all the work and just getting hurt? I mean, if we think back, though, the last two years have just been brutal for them in terms of injuries, right? As soon as he won that MVP, the year after he gets hurt, and then the year after that he gets hurt, too, and it's all because that offense is just not there. Well, that whole te- that whole team got injured, too. I mean, mm-hmm. what they lost, what, their first uh, – they, they lost – um, they Dobbins. lost like four running backs. Yeah, they, they, and, yeah, they lost. <laughs> it was it was definitely three. It was definitely three. All to ACLs, I think. It was yeah. the year of the ACL. Yeah, it was Gus got, Edwards and Dobbins and all those guys. So yeah, and and this is another year. I think last year I was really high on Duvernay, and then this year might be another Duvernay year to uh, mm-hmm. potentially well, and see OBJ what he does. and Zay Flowers, and there's a lot of there's a lot more. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. Him, that so. that. Re- Zay Flowers, I forgot about him. He's been man. cooking people in practice, so it looks it looks like he's going to be a player. I will say, I think he's a guy that a lot of people slept on because he went to Boston College, and that's not typically known as like a high end wide receiver school. But he looked like Antonio Brown to me. So well, the good, I, the good Antonio Brown. Yeah, not the crazy one. Not but, the crazy one. But all the reports about him, at, like prior to the draft, were like, this guy is legit. Like yeah. somebody needs to like pay attention to him. But again, it's, you know, you're window shopping and you see a school that you don't really know a ton about yeah. and they kind of passed on him. I think like I'm impressed how much the Ravens have completely reshaped their offense to be supportive. Like Odell Beckham Jr. on one side, Zay Flowers on the other, Duvernay there as well. Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Depends on who they have at running back. But, I mean, I think that's pretty competent, no? Like, I think that can at least give you a run in the NFC North. and, and Or the year, AFC North. Year to year, I mean, the one thing I have to say is that the Baltimore Ravens tend to draft really well. Mm-hmm. All right, like last year, picking up Zay Flowers, that was a great move. Um, you know, they they get the pieces they need to complete teams and stay competitive year to year. You know, they just, I think they just got hit with a bunch of bad luck here, you know, and they came out, they got to come out of a rough patch. Well, now yeah. Lamar's paid too. So they gave him that extension yeah. finally. So, so that can, that can get that drama is over too. Yeah. yeah. That was annoying. That was fatigue drama after a while. It was just sure. every day. That was what was being talked about. It's like, just pay the man. I know. Come on. Where, where else are you going to get it? Like, who are, who are you going to turn to? Come on. This is yeah. ridiculous. Just do Stupid it. Shit. Yep. Just do it. What do you say, guys? Assholes of the week? Sure. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll start us off. Oh, no. no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gato. Yeah. No, go ahead. Your asshole. You haven't been on the show in a while. You haven't been on the All show right. in a while, so come on. Bring it on. So uh, every so often, like, a story comes out that really epitomizes, I think, where society is, is or going or that veneer of what we consider as, like, you know, this good-intentioned, well, you know, well-meant world that we live in and um there's this recent it's come to light that michael Orr, this the subject mine. this, this is, is yours too, this yeah. is why i was like whoa, whoa hold on hold on <laughs> <laughs> this will be this will be a cold one man yeah <laughs> yeah we're all friends in this one 
Uh, it is crazy. It is really crazy. I mean, here is this was like a feel good story about defining what can really be a family and you know there there was this belief of actual love because we all actually bought into the fucking movie sandra bullock played her ass off in that in that role and really made you love like love the family there and now you come to find out that this is essentially like a britney spears situation with a person who is perfectly capable of making their own decisions that's the craziest fucking part of this so i'm thinking this is probably like a, uni- a unanimous one. Oh um, my god it, it the craziest thing that we learned because like the blind side likes to play that michael Orr had developmental disabilities come to find out he was like an academic scholar so it, like that wasn't even like a true part like he was apparently like he saw it and he was like what the fuck are you talking yeah. about like they took they in some developmentally disabled like, kid. He's got this whole thing where he's really good at protecting people. Right. And it's like, like, what the what? fuck? <laughs> so since this is a collective asshole of the week, yeah. I'm going it's going to be targeted towards those individuals, but it's not going to be the Tui family. It's going to be Michael Lewis, the author of the book itself. Yeah, I agree. And what you were well, saying. Tui family too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Oh no, they are gonna get a world of shit for this, but the thing that bothers me is I've read the book, The Blind Side. First off, the book and the movie are nothing like one another. Yeah. Um, talk about like artistic license with the movie. But the way that I watched an interview where Michael Lewis was talking about um, Michael Orr and he said, you know, this kid, he went, he lived in different houses with different people for so many years. And now he's at Ole Miss and He's on the Dean's list. And I think that says a lot about Ole Miss's Dean's list. And I, from a guy who wrote Moneyball, who's written a number of books about telling the story a, in a way that is honest, but interesting for him to be so flippant with like an individual who's had an incredibly difficult life up until that point and is now getting his due to shit on him that way, like Michael Lewis is a fucking loser. Michael yeah. Lewis actually gets gets named an asshole for a second reason this past week too. Uh, he's also well known for the book The Big Short, right? Yes, and that's about predicting the two thousand eight crash. Well, just so happened, uh, I believe CNN was covering this story, but I think it it landed on a couple other places too. Uh, he just put down a $1.6 billion bet on another Wall Street crash. Great. Which I I think he's just, uh, like, I think it's kind of an obvious thing at this moment that we're going to hit something. Speculation. And, yeah, I mean, uh, the Netherlands just, just declared recession. Uh, I think this was like three days ago or something like that. So um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's like when when the gloves come off and you really see the true character of the individual, right? He's just yeah. he's a greedy guy who saw the opportunity to make a story pulling on heartstrings and yeah. just this, sell you out for a fucking buck. This is the rich man north of Richmond that that guy was talking about. <laughs> God. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually kind of surprised how long it's taken Michael Orr to come out and say these things about the book and the movie. And granted, like he was saying these things when he played for the Ravens and the Panthers, like 
that book's not really like representative of the truth in the movie is even worse but was he allowed I to i don't know that's a good question i'm not sure but to hear that even the children of the Tui family are getting royalties from this film is like embarrassing. Yeah. The whole, How the whole fuck, situation, <laughs> like the book is not written about them. The movie is not about them. It's Michael Orr. And again, it's like the worst parts of like white nightism where you come in and you get this book written about you. And then you take all that dude's fucking money. Yeah really like it's it's just it's an ugly ugly thing what they did even if a shred of it is is true too like i'm not saying that we're getting the whole story but i think at this point it's fact like it's despicable you just can't like how yeah dare you man i mean and i get i get look i get like you take someone in and you know you treat them like family there's you know, you would hope that they would, like, hook you up later, but, like, to basically ensure yourself by taking their autonomy away from them. You're a yeah. terrible person. That conservator shit. That shouldn't be conservator shit stuff, like, is immediately, like, as soon as that happens, you know it's going to be weaponized against the person who's actually bringing in the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, like... The whole thing to me is just fucked because you know what it also says is that there's a whole system in which this is possible and that this has probably happened before. Yeah. And I, I'd be interested to find out that this is something that happens all the time and might be why, you know, you get these kids going to these like prestigious, you know, high schools that these private schools athletes. that and that's what the whole thing is. And they can't talk about it and this and that because they're basically – the money they're going to earn is getting held against them. And it's a big, dirty, dark secret in sports that probably happens mostly in the South. Sorry, Tom. but <laughs> he's, a tra- he's, a, he's a transplant. What are you talking that's about? That's Tennessee, though. That's Tennessee. Yeah. It's not North Carolina. <laughs> True. No, I know. <laughs> Well, since it was a collective asshole of the week, we're all holding hands. Yeah. Um, let's move on to picks of the week. Gato, we're going to let you go again because of your long absence. So who is your pick of the week? Uh, so I was actually trying to think about this like 10 minutes before I jumped on here. This is an older series, um, but I am just completely in the grips of it right now. And Frazier. it might have even been a pick. It was uh, HBO The Outsider. Ooh. It was actually very good. I liked it. Dude, I am like, I can't take, like, usually I'm watching something. Like, I will quite frequently, like, be on my phone, not really paying full attention. It's background. I'm listening to it. This has every ounce of my attention. Mm. I can't get my eyes off the screen. I want more. They leave you on a good cliffhanger. The plot moves, but it's slow. It's a Stephen King novel that was converted. It was a short story. Short story, yeah. 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 And so here's the weird thing is, like, I think a lot of times, like, Stephen King adaptations don't 
often come off very well. Like, sure, we've had a lot of classics, don't get me wrong, but I think it's about a 50-50 considering how many adaptations of Stephen King novels are out there. This one fucking bangs. Yeah, it I, just, like, I like it a lot. It's dark, and it is it is supernatural, but you still feel like there's a weird plausibility to all of this in some ways as you're watching it. You're like, no, but the facts, it has to be, like, you, you have to almost argue for the irrational, paranormal, and that's kind of where we're at. It's kind of, it's crazy. It's just a crazy series. Yeah. So this is a mini series, right? Like it's a limited show run. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be a uh, season two. It's just. It's just a season. I think it's just a one season. A one off. Okay. And each episode's yeah. long. It's an hour. Yeah. Okay. Each episode. Yeah, got it. It's funny that you mentioned like the there has been good Stephen King adaptations and there's been bad ones. It's funny that all of the good ones are the ones that he's not actually involved in the creative side of it, like. And all the bad ones are the ones where he's been like the writer, he wrote the screenplay, he's been the director, and it's like, yo, man, just just write the books. Like, let a professional yeah. like yeah, let, let, let somebody else handle it. Yeah, exactly. What was if if you all have a second? What is the worst Stephen King adaptation that you've watched? Oh, what's that movie with Amelia Estevez and the cars that are coming back to life? Cars? No, the, the no. trucks. Uh, the the trucks. It, no, no, no. It's 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 um, maximum overdrive. Maximum overdrive. That was shit. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, I have two. One of them is called the Night Flyer, and then the other one is the Langoliers. Oh yeah, I Langoliers so fucking bad. The Shining uh, TV miniseries that he did that he was involved in. It was like back in the nineties, or um, they did a a miniseries that was more true to the book and he was involved. It was like an ABC like four-parter. Yeah, that it's, shit can't be on like... It's the dude from TV. Wings. Have you ever watched the show Wings? It's one of the dude from Wings is on Love it. it. Uh, he plays uh, the Jack Nicholson character. It's fucking terrible. And the kid... Stephen Weber? Oh, yeah, God. So fucking... The kid is so fucking annoying. But it's more true to the... It's literally... Stephen King, I think, produced it or something. So it's literally very true to the book. It's a little different. Yikes. Yeah, it yeah. it sucks though. Yeah, I I never, I couldn't get into Dark Tower. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Oh no, that Dark was Tower was weird. Very yeah. panned universally. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked the um, Doctor Sleep. I think he was involved with Doctor Sleep. I did like that. Doctor Sleep Cap was like the culmination of all his classics too. I enjoyed that. Right. Yeah. Castle Rock was pretty good too. I, I never Rock. got into that. I I should revisit that though. It was like. It was very much like a show that's built around like Stephen King lore. Mm -hmm. So like, if you like the grab bag of like main monsters, like yeah, it's kind of that. Um, very true. He has some but, really good hits, but some big misses. Man. Yeah, I mean, I think he's also got some of like my favorite movies of all time too. You know, Green it, Mile, right? Green Mile, like. Good. It's just, yeah, there's, yeah, Secret Window was fucking dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked, I liked the Stand miniseries that was on, I think it was on like Sci Fi Channel back in the day. Mm -hmm. Again, that's like kind of hammy, but I liked everybody who was in it and everyone yeah. seemed to enjoy it. Shawshank. Hey, there's, there's some, yeah, there's Shawshank, some, yeah. 
there's some good stuff, Mystery. but it's just it's too many too many misses in my mind. I would agree. Like, you know, there's like they they also do that money grab where it's like Children of the Corn four oh, and Children of Corn Revelations. Yeah, and they, they, they Cemetery Nine. Nine. Yeah, they yeah. remade they remade Children of the Corn and it was still like a directed video and it was I, I I didn't even bother. Yeah, I mean it's it's fucking weird. <laughs> Well, it has a lower rating on IMDb than the original does. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like the, I didn't even hear about it, and all of a sudden, like it just is out, and I'm like, oh, this looks terrible. But honestly, like my pick is kind of a bad movie, but it's like it was fun. Okay. Um, the Meg Two, I saw. Oh God. I did not really like the first movie at all. It was oh. fucking. It was the silliest I I shit I've ever seen in my honestly, life. Honestly, watching the first one, the first one's like you don't know about the Meg. Like, it, oh, it, it was. So no, I don't really like. I, I didn't thing. really like like it, but man, it was fucking ridiculous and over the top. And like, there are dinosaurs in this one. It was. It, it was honestly. It was honestly a lot of fun. Um, the audience score is at seventy two percent over the critic score, which is twenty eight percent. I would say it's somewhere in the middle. But, like, honestly, it is so fucking ridiculous that, like, it warrants a watch. Like, it is just so insane that, like, I couldn't believe what I was watching half the time. But it is super, it is, it was super watchable compared to the first one, which was just a slog. Um, it is, it is insane. I, I think people should, I think you should watch it. Yeah, I was, I was curious about it because... A couple of weeks ago, it had like a zero percent score on Rotten Tomatoes, and Tomatoes. now I'm looking at it like, of course, the critics hated it, like, yeah, because that's it's their not job. good. It's not good, but it is insanely watchable and fun. Yeah, it looks cool. Like, like if you like, we were in, I was in the theater with a lot of people, and everyone was laughing at the moments that you laugh at, and I was like, it was like a, it was a good theater experience because it was just yeah. so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like. You have Oppenheimer on the other side, right. and like then you have the Meg too. Yeah, it's just so silly. I, I just I, I enjoyed it though. It was fun. I'm wondering though, and this is kind of off topic. I've seen like the horror show, like of the Blue Beetle movie that's coming out, and people are posting like the seat availability in the IMAX I've theaters where yeah. all these movie theaters kicked Oppenheimer out for this movie, and it's like. <laughs> You could go in there and take your clothes off and no one would notice. I'm not saying you should, but um, that movie's going to fucking bomb. Superhero time. movies in general are just going the way of the dinosaur eventually. Good. Yeah, they're they're pretty cooked at this point. We're, we're over that. I have heard some, like, that new movie with Will Ferrell playing the dogs is fucking dogs? hilarious. Yeah. Strays. 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 That's what it is. Yeah. Seen way too many commercials for it. It's annoying me at this point. So, yeah, but I've heard some, like, people are saying it's the funniest fucking movie they've seen in a long time. I kind of believe that. Could you imagine Will Ferrell pretending to be a dog? I mean, you don't have, don't to. have to. You don't have to imagine it anymore because it's yeah. happening. Yeah, now, it's, now way, it's in real life. Blue Beetle is a certified fresh movie, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's getting good reviews. Yeah, I'm seeing 93% like this. I wonder if it's talking about the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, yeah. what do you got? Um, I my ass or my my pick you're, of the week. You're the asshole now. My ass pick yeah, of the, the week. Your ass um, pick. 
My ass is um, the first book of the Silo series um, called Wool. So um, Silo was a pick of the week from a couple of weeks ago, the Apple Plus mini series. Um, I read the first book in a trilogy. Um, it was really, really interesting. It kept pretty close to the movie for the first hundred pages or so, but I think the the series season is pretty short in terms of like what's covered in the book. Pretty wild shit. Like, I mean, imagine like your whole life you've been lied to and you're living underground, and then you discover that there's other people out there. It's is an interesting book. Hugh Howley. Hugh Howley is the writer of it. And I'm not a huge fiction fan, but I read this book in like a week and a half. It was, and it's like 550 pages. So um, it, the book series comes in a trilogy. The first one is wool. The second one is shift. And the third one is dust. I'm going to try and get all of these done. Um, so I have a little bit better understanding of how the series is going to go. And I can tell you all later about it. Love I mean, it. this is like when you learn gravity isn't real. <laughs> or the earth is flat. Well, definitely. Kyrie Irving. Big news there. All right, folks. Well, that does it for us on another episode of the Second Mouth Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Um, if you could all do us a favor and give us a like and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We also are going to be posting this video on Twitter as well. If you want to watch it there, we do live streams. It's week. X, Tom. It's um, X. We will, be ho- we will be doing our fantasy football draft. When Gato, the last Sunday, September third. Yeah, so sometime in the evenings. Maybe we'll have a live stream for that too. We'll get some live reactions from some of our fantasy football team owners, like we did last year. But we will be back next week, folks. Remember, do good things, don't fuck up, and I don't know because then we'll make you our asshole of the week. Yeah, yeah, dickheads. Yep. (laughs) All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. We are, we are Walmart. And then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>